and all the other issues we had faced during my tenure. Although I didn't realize it that day, I've since come to think of that brief encounter with Richard Pearl as the moment when these two dominant themes in my professional life first intersected. Growing up in the New York City borough of Queens, the son of working-class immigrants, I never would have imagined that I would find myself in such a position. I aspired to a career in government, but never gave a moment's thought to a life in the hidden world of intelligence. Yet somehow, through a series of unexpected occupational twists and turns, I found myself in the wilderness of mirrors. As a career path, intelligence is equal parts thrilling and frustrating because by definition, it deals with the unclear, the unknown, and the deliberately hidden. What the enemies of the United States work hard to conceal, the men and women of American intelligence work hard to reveal. Throughout my working life, following the ethos of intelligence, I tried to maintain a low profile, to be little seen or heard among the general public. When I left government, I felt a need to step back for a little while, to think before I wrote or spoke. Having benefited from time and perspective, I've come to believe that I have an obligation to share some of the things I learned during my years at the helm of American intelligence. I felt I owed it to my family, to my former colleagues, and to history to say what I could about the events I have observed. This memoir relies on my recollections of a tumultuous period in our nation's life. No such undertaking is completely objective, but it is as honest and as unvarnished as I can make it. There are many things about my tenure as DCI that I am proud of, and more than a few things I wish I could do over. Where I or the organization I led made mistakes, I say so in these pages. Readers will find no shortage of such admissions. When I point out occasions where our performance was strong, I hope these assertions, too, are given fair consideration. This book reflects how things appeared to me as I found myself literally at the center of the storm. Where you stand on issues is normally determined by where you sit. And from where I sat, I saw the tidal wave of terrorism building. From where I sat, I also saw a small group of underfunded and lonely warriors swimming against this tide, out there all alone, warning, deterring, disrupting, and attempting to destroy a worldwide movement operating in nearly 70 countries and bent on our destruction. This is the story of how we saw the threat, what we did about it, what was proposed and not done, how our thinking evolved, and why the men and women of the Central Intelligence Agency were ready with a plan of action to respond forcefully to the loss of 3,000 American and foreign lives. This is also a story about how we helped disarm a rogue nation of its weapons of mass destruction without firing a shot, and how we brought to justice the most dangerous nuclear weapons proliferator the world has ever known. It is a recounting of efforts 
to bridge historic differences between Israelis and Palestinians and give to diplomats a chance to seek a political solution to an age-old crisis. It also is a cautionary tale of threats still uncountered that would make the attacks of September 11th pale in comparison. Senior-level people in both the administrations in which I served, Clinton and Bush, tried to do what they saw as best for America. Their results and methods can and should be debated, but not their motives. And when it comes to the U.S. government's handling of Iraq, there are few heroes in Washington, but plenty on the ground in that troubled country. When it comes to the war on terror, though, there are plenty of heroes in Washington and elsewhere around the world.